Um, we have, I've been doing a series of miracles on miracles with you, which I'll continue next time that we're together next month. But this is a, a real special month for us here in the Celebration Network. This is our get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready time, uh, where we're doing, uh, looking at what we've done this year, looking at what we need to do next year. Uh, I came on board with uh, the team a few months ago, and we're starting to talk strategically long-term planning. We're talking about not only how we can enrich the experience that we have in each of the communities, uh, uh, Appleton, uh, Stevens Point, uh, our Latino community um, uh, in Tulsa, but we're trying to figure out how we can enrich the experiences in each of those locations, East Green Bay, West Green Bay, and um, uh, and then also talk about how we can begin to network as a, as a family, uh, as a network where we can work on different projects together and increase our strength to help people and make Jesus famous. Amen. Right? So um, it's just a big month for us. We, we meet November 7th down at the Green Bay, what do they call that place? KI Center. Uh, down uh, downtown, and that's going to be for the, the different communities are coming in uh, for that event. We're so excited about it. Looking forward to you guys all being there. Uh, Mark is still trying to pick out his outfit. Um, I'm recommending pink for him. He's pretty confident in his masculinity, so... Um, <laughs> but let's talk some vision this morning. Uh, you know, sometimes... You know, when you come together as a community, you come together with people, and in, in our, in, in our, from our standpoint of spirituality... We want to see God move. We want to see our lives different. We want to see if we can make room for God in a way where there's transformation. I mean, that's, that's sort of the impulse of our gathering. We're not just coming because we're trying to fulfill a religious obligation. I mean, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't have to come every Sunday. You don't go to hell. Right? We're just not doing this obligation. We really are trying. God, what do you want to say in our lives? What, what do you want to do in our lives? Sometimes when we think about that, we, we, we would love for everything to just... How suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Don't you love that? I mean, I love the idea. Suddenly, God transforming my life, transforming your life, making a difference. And God does do sudden things in people's lives. We have an example of this in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. And what? Suddenly, there's this sound like a blowing violent wind. And their whole house, they filled, the Holy Spirit fills them. Another example of this was the Christmas story. An angel appears to these shepherds in the middle of the night. And the angel says to them, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He said, This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. So very common and yet so very powerful. And then it says, Suddenly... This great company of the heavenly host appeared and they were praising God and they were saying these things. Suddenly is a cool deal. I've been in the church for about 40 years. I've been in pastoral ministry for about 30 and I love suddenly. I love when God suddenly moves in a community. I love when suddenly God moves in a, God moves suddenly in a person's relationship with their mate or their friends or their family. Things are restored. Things are changed. People coming to Christ, oftentimes there's suddenly some transformation. But even though that's true, what is surprising and important to note is that most of the time, God doesn't do suddenly. Most of the time, the kingdom of God is a tad boring. It's about growing things. Did you ever watch grass grow? I mean, if you don't pay much attention to it, you're surprised at how fast it grows. In the summer, got to mow it again, right? But if you sit there and watch it, 
it's a bit of a chore because it's so boring to watch growth. Jesus, interestingly, in talking about the kingdom of God, didn't just talk sudden. He said in Mark 4, this is what the kingdom of God is like. What is it like, Jesus? It's like a man who sows seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though the guy doesn't really know what's going on or how it all happens. All by itself, the soil produces the grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. But as soon as the grain is ripe, which isn't all that soon, he puts the sickle to it, and because the harvest has come. So Jesus is saying, if you want to know how God moves in our lives, and how God moves in the world, look at how things grow. Look at how kids grow. Look at how stuff grows. It takes time. Again, he says in the very next verse, how shall we compare? What can we say about the kingdom of God? What is it like? Or the parable, what what parable can we use to describe it? He said, it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds in the earth. What he's saying is the kingdom of God oftentimes is such a tiny thing in your life, you're apt to miss it. When God moves in your life, sometimes it's suddenly, sometimes it's overwhelmed, but most of the time it's so small you can miss it unless you're open and processing things to try to catch it. It's a thought in your mind to call someone. It's, a, it's, a, it's an idea that you have maybe to go back to school and God wants to bless your life financially. It won't be that you'll just have a truck full of $100 bills pull up, right? Or win the lotto, Right? Although I would love to win the lottery. But the point, you get my point, is that you, you, it's not how it happens. Most of the time it's you getting an idea about taking some risk. Like going back to school or starting a business or, or improving yourself so that you're of more worth to your uh, a person you work for. So they look at you and they think, oh my gosh, you're growing. I need to give you more responsibility and here's more money. It, it's all about boring stuff, usually. It's the kingdom of God. That's how God does stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's, remember the seed in the cup? Kindergarten. Remember that? What a boring experiment. You take a little dirt, you put the seed in it, you add a little water, you set it on the thing, right? On the sill. And then you sort of look at it. And then you ask, mom or teacher, when does it happen? It's going to be a while. Right? And then and, and, and the next day you're looking at it, the next day, and if you're not careful, you're digging around it, you kill it. <laughs> or keep adding more water to it, and you kill it. Because you can't, see... If you just think you're going to... Some people think if I prayed all day today, it's going to change the world. No, no. More pe- most people don't understand that it's a life of faith that changes your life, not a day of prayer. It's not reading the whole Bible in one sitting that's going to change your life. It's reading little bits over time. Because this whole kingdom of God thing is a boring thing. <laughs> I mean, it has fruit, and eventually you have a sickle, and there's growth, and, there's, and it's fun days, and there are suddenlies in it. Right? But for the most part, if you don't like boring, you're not going to be very spiritual. That's why those of you that are under 30, I mean, I feel for you because your whole generation hates boring. I mean, really, I mean, there's no such thing as good and evil for a lot of that, those generations. It's just fun and boring. Boring is evil. So you got to constantly texting, constantly video gaming, constantly radio, constantly iPoding, constantly everything, constantly, 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 no silence, silence, ah, it freaks you out, right? 
you're, you're going to be pale spiritually for the rest of your life if you don't know how to get quiet and get bored. The road to God's power is, the, is a whole at least football field long of bore. I used to tell my kids when they were bored, Dad, I'm bored. I said, you do not know how wonderful that is. If you don't learn how to be bored, you will never be spiritual. Silence. Pulling away in privacy and, and, and aloneness. Thinking deeply. These are boring things that are absolutely mandatory in spiritual life. So you've got to embrace these things. The point is, what I'm trying to suggest to you is that I love the notion of fast. I love the notion of suddenly. But fast and suddenly are exceptions. They're not the rule. The, the, even the very creation was a process. You know, if you read the first chapters of Genesis, some uh, people of faith believe that that was literally seven days. Some people believe there was gaps in it. Some people believe that there were epochs of time. Uh, No matter what your take is on the the initial stories, or the initial uh, scriptures, uh, verses of scripture, what is clear in every single one of the hypotheses about it. And there, one day, I I think I'll actually put you through it just to bore you. (laughs) It's actually quite brilliant. Interesting. But, but, but one thing that comes out in every one of the ideas about creation is this. It took time. Why? I think God loves time. In fact, in the pagan world, they didn't believe in time. They just thought the world was just a circular event that kept happening. Morning, night, morning, night, morning, night, summer, spring, winter, fall. You know, just, it was a cycle. And, and, and the whole notion that there's an aspect of time that where there's a goal, that's a Christian thought. That's a Judeo-Christian thought. So God actually has a plan. And it's apparent that he loves teasing things out. He loves things to take time when he creates the world. We read this a few uh, weeks ago when we talked about, we were talking about miracles. We said how God created the world and there was still darkness and chaos and things were undone. And God's loving it. See, we want everything to be done. You know, we want miracles to be the, you know, not any longer than McDonald line. (laughs) Chip, 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 God. Want my happy meal? Because I want to be happy. Right? And, and if God doesn't do it, we, we think something's wrong. But God loves process. The first part of the creation is he's separating night from day. Water from ground. No hippos. No fish. Just water from ground. Just nothing. And he's going, yeah! See, God, what, what, if, what if when God starts moving in that relationship, that old friendship that's getting a little bit tensed up and a little wrong what if God just loves it that you notice you go oh man I think that relationship isn't what it should be what if that's the start of the miracle it's like a tiny little mustard seed it doesn't seem like anybody can rest in it but that's how the miracle starts is that you acknowledge you recognize there's something wrong which is a miracle what we have to under what I'm trying to suggest to you is as a community is that in our lives the kingdom of God spills into our lives oftentimes very, very slowly and methodically and like growth. It's our friendships, our homes, our plans, this community, our network. It isn't like we're after hurry up. What we're after is just sticking around while the kingdom grows, which means you've got to hang. I think that's the biggest part of the kingdom of God, that we're committed to hanging with each other, hanging in our friendships, sticking in that job, sticking in the community of faith. Not that you're, everybody stays in the same church their whole lives, but it, it should be the exception when you feel God pulling you out of a community, not because you're looking at church like a restaurant. Well, I kind of like that meal, David. You know, that little upset me right there. I'm out of here. 
There's something wrong with that. I, you know, I think that what we should be are the kind of people that stick around. Gail and I had four kids. And uh, we, had, uh, we actually had one pregnancy that ended in miscarriage, which was horrible. Please pray for people and feel for people that, that have miscarriages. It's a horrible experience. It really is a loss. But we had four kids. And, but we didn't have them in the hospital and then just say, well, look at each other and say, well, that's it and leave. You know, there, there are some creatures in the, in the animal kingdom that when they have their whole job as parenting is just to have the offspring. Then they leave them. We, humans don't do that. We stick with them. And you'd think once you got those little ingrates raised, you'd be done. <laughs> but it isn't true. You've got to say, well, ours are in our, getting into our 30s and we still have to parent them to some degree. Yeah. So we, they, we can't tell them we are. <laughs> right? But you're still involved with them. You're, but why? You're there for the duration. You're there for the long term. And something very powerful happens when you say to someone, I'm here. We're a pillar in this community. We're a pillar in this church. We're a pillar in this friendship. The thing about pillars, you know, how many of you are glad these pillars are holding up this roof? If those pillars started to move, if they started saying, I'm getting bored being a pillar, we would die. Pillars are wonderful because they have such a capacity for boredom. (laughs) Do you? See, being committed in a community like this, if we want God, we want the vision. Some people say, what's the vision? What's the vision? What are we going to do? The vision has stuff that we do, but you know what the real heart of the vision is? For our celebration network, for why we're doing this, is we want to do life together. Plain and simple. We want to be in community. There's something powerful. See, this isn't the only church in this community. Uh, You know, there's lots of churches in this community. Some of them have robust life. God's moving in them. And we're not the only church where God moves. It's awesome that God's moving there. We applaud that. Every one of the communities, Tulsa, Stevens Point, Appleton, uh, you know, and other places that will start communities. It's not because we're the right church. That's not what we're doing. We just know, and this is true, if you talk to people that study missions, missiologists, they say that the best way to reach the world to make Jesus famous is planting churches. Why? Because when a church comes into town and sets up, relationships come. And then people, the church becomes a pillar. And it's like you begin to transform lives. People come to Jesus because churches get planted. More than people come to Jesus because of TV. Or radio, or any of those kind of expensive things. Church, starting churches is sweet, but, but, but what the real goal is, the reason we start churches, is because, and, and a part of this community is because we're together. We do life together. Life has good, life has bad, life has ugly sometimes. I mean, <clears throat> just the other week, one of our campus people, you know, came up to me and they said, Oh my gosh, I just got this huge promotion. Huge raise. And, you know, I, I smiled at him. I said, that is so wonderful. What a great thing. And I, we prayed together. I said, God, thank you for blessing him. Thank you. This guy's in there. He's faithful. He's, he's a blessing to this community. And thank you. Right? And just a couple of days before that, one of the uh, families uh, had pulled. They were out to eat. And the little girl, nine-month-old girl, beautiful little girl. The do- dad's a doctor. Mom's a nurse. And they were out to eat. And, and they just dropped off this boiling hot soup. And before they could grab it, to pass it around. That little girl grabbed it, just reached up, just grabbed it and pulled it into her lap. Second, they thought some third degree burns all over her body. They're, they're rushing her to the hospital. They were going to fly her over to some burn center. I mean, they were going through this whole crazy thing and we're right there. 
They're letting us know we're praying, we're helping them with meals, we're running at them, we're staying with, you know, just talking with them, people in the community rising up, running at them. Why? Because we're doing life together. I love it. You know, we do weddings around here. It's so fun to watch these little kids grow up and, uh, uh, and all of a sudden who you knew as a little girl or a little boy are now walking down the aisles becoming men and women. How wonderful is that? See, us being together, doing life together. Uh, there was a, a guy just got a call this week. This is the ugly. I just got a call this week where some guy that used to be part of one of our campuses, who, who used to be part of it, no longer part of it, got away from the Lord in his life. And when you get away from the Lord in your life, uh, it may seem like you're doing okay, but you're not. He ended up getting involved with some other woman. He's married and crossed the line with her. He's calling me up saying, my life is is hell. I said, listen, let's get together. So a couple days ago, met him, sat down, we talked, I grabbed him by the neck, I pulled him, I said, listen to me. God is bigger than this. You will get through this. If you start doing the right thing now, I mean, you can do the wrong thing for a while, God will still love you. God loves you whether you're an idiot or not. God loves idiots! How many are glad God loves idiots? Praise the Lord, right? But whenever you want a de-idiot... And start doing what's right. I mean, God will start turning this thing around. God is bigger than this. And I love being involved with people. I love being involved uh, in this community and in this network. You know, and the thing about the Celebration Network, I mean, you know, we're not the only thing. We're not the best thing. But I sure love that we do what we do. You know, we're kind of an evangelical, charismatic community. But we don't look like a lot of evangelical, charismatic communities. Because a lot of evangelical, charismatic communities are just... Well, I'm not going to say anything bad. I just, uh, well, maybe I should. (laughs) Let me say it this way. That there are some things, we moderns sometimes think that we're the smartest people that showed up in the world because we have Tylenol and laptops. And the internet. Right? That somehow we're the smartest people that have ever lived. That's not true. And and sometimes we as charismatics, we kind of like to go to the Bible and open it up and sort of say, what's the Lord saying? And make up stuff, you know, as though God is speaking directly to us and we're we're the best thing going. Not realizing we're part of a history. Our lives come out of a past. We don't make up the faith. I am so delighted that we are a community that basically says, listen, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I love that we believe the basics, that we're not bored with the basics. That we uh, are a community that doesn't just try to make up stuff, which I personally cringe at when I watch it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then thank the Lord. Just turn on some Christian TV and hear a preacher saying, and it just makes me go crazy. You know, well, the Lord showed me in this verse is what I mean. It starts this whole new doctrine of thinking. I think to myself, wait a minute. We're not the first ones that come along. We don't make up the faith. We're supposed to receive the faith that was given. Which means, now, I'll give you a real short history, church history lesson. I know you're excited. And if you're bored, it's good for you. <laughs> Jesus come, Jesus die. Raise us from the grave. Here he is, raised from the grave. Okay. The church starts. There's one group of people, many communities, but one group. You know how long? 1,054 is the first split. And the first split starts with the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox Church. And it was over control, who controlled. And the church went on. They believed the same things. They just stopped connecting with each other. We go on the same community 
until 1500, only 500 years ago or so. And here, Luther breaks off. He didn't want to break off. He wanted to reform the church. That's why it's called the Reformation. He didn't want to start another church. And it's here that all of a sudden, once that happens, then people split off from Luther, and they split off from them, split off from them, split off from them. We got the schizophrenic four million denominations. 1,500 years there were two. Now here's the point. All of the things, everybody... Everybody agrees on what was laid out in these early years. I mean, we the New Testament was put together somewhere between two and three hundred. They, they, they had dozens and dozens of documents and they sorted through all those and they said, which ones make sense? They're written by, how are they connected to the apostles? They prayed it through, thought it through. It wasn't until 200 that we got a New Testament. It wasn't put together by Zondervan, packaged at the foot of the cross. It took hundreds of years to come up with our canon. It was here they began to talk about who Christ really was. The doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of salvation. The doctrine of grace. All the stuff that matters. All of it was talked about. And it wasn't until here, when we break off here, it wasn't over issues of salvation. It wasn't over issues of grace or Christology or the Trinity thinking. It wasn't theology. It was issues of how the church was supposed to be involved and how you approach those things. There were, there were sidebar issues that divided us up. My point is, there's gold in them hills right there. So years ago, you know, we used to talk, Lathan, Lynn, we're in Tulsa, Mark and I, we, we would talk about what kind of a community would we build if we just stopped trying to just be like everybody in our little charismatic world? What, what, what would we build? And we started thinking about looking back on history and realizing that, you know, for all of this time, all of the time, even into Luther, that the church focused a lot on communion, that they focused on the idea that Christ was present in communion, that there was something wonderful. Paul said, when you come to communion, it, it, it can hurt you. If you're not right. And the idea is that if it can hurt you, it can obviously help you, kill you or help you, right? I mean, the thing that can hurt you is the thing that can, it can protect you, that can help you. And so the church always had communion every time they gathered. It's recent that we stopped doing that as evangelicals. In fact, evangelicals, charismatics, we sometimes only have communion once a, once a quarter, once a month, and it was kind of pale, just kind of a perfunctory thing. So these kind of issues, the things that you're seeing emerge, that we're, we do the creed, saying the creed. At the end, we started singing the um, doxology. Say, what are you doing? You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to remember if we didn't make this up, that we're part of something bigger than us. I love that! <laughs> I love that. And I love that we're a community that isn't, doesn't have this whole kind of weird speak, you know, we're always, oh, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is, no, no, we can get up and say, you know, life sucked this week. I love that we can be real, that you can be honest. You can, you can, and, and if your mom will let you, you can say crap <laughs> or hell and not go to hell. I love it that you can wear Different kinds of clothes. I mean, there's some churches you go to, unless you're 10 years out of date, you're not in. You've got to wear clothes that that used to be in fashion. I love it that you can wear what you want to wear. I love it that you don't always have to listen to just Christian music. You can listen to Lady Gaga. I love that. I love that you can actually drink a beer. There's wine in our communion. 
just like the apostles. Now, there's grape juice to help, you know, save some of you that are freaked out about it. But there's wine, right? Why do we do that? What we're trying to be real about is say, look, if stuff messes with you, be honest. If you have to be so fashionable that it messes up your life or you're wearing clothes that are inappropriate and you're calling inappropriate attention to yourself, stop it. If you're a person that listens to Lady Gaga, you're all weirded out and you're acting weird and it colors your soul, stop listening to her. If you're a person that can't have a sip of beer without drinking three cases, don't take a sip. But I'm telling you, there's a difference between trusting you and challenging you and putting this imposed concept of, 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 of some kind of a cultural, uh, unbiblical holiness that was made up by the preacher or the preacher's wife. I love that word this way. I love who we are. But you know what? We've got a long way to go. There's a lot of ways that we just have to get better at doing life together. There's a lot of ways we have to get better at bringing our communities together. We've got to figure out how we connect with communities. I mean, we've got, we got like a TV church. How does that even work? How do we connect with it? There's a lot, a ton of stuff. But you know what? God's in it. I feel his smile. And things are growing like a seed in a cup. It's a little boring, but it's right. Now, let me do this as we close. Grab your cards. We gave you some cards in your bulletin. This card is talking about how you're involved, not just spiritually, not just as a community with support and being a part of our tribe, but talking about money. Don't you love talking about money? This is one of the reasons I didn't want to go into ministry, is I never wanted to take up an offering, because I think it feels awkward. I hated it. I told God, I don't want to take up offerings. I don't want to deal, I don't want to deal with money. There's something about money. It's like talking to someone about colon health. Colon health is important. As you get older, it's important her. <laughs> right? But I don't want anybody coming up to me and saying, hey, how's your colon? I don't want anybody talking to me about it. It's awkward. It's a little weird. It's inappropriate. And it feels inappropriate to talk about money. It, it just seems like when you talk about it, it Jesus said it, it, your heart's and your money's wrapped up because you invest your life to get it. So it's like somebody touches you and you just, it feels a little odd And I've often said to the Lord over these 40 years I've been in the church, why don't you just bless us with like, I mean, I'd love to look out my window, see a little sparkly in the grass. Go out there, scratch at it and pull out, realize that a 50 pound chunk of gold is working its way up to bless Ed Gunker. Because then I could take that, we could cut it off, chunks of it, pay off this property, Pay, you know, put some more investment into the other communities, maybe build a couple of more campuses uh, in different cities. How cool would that be? But you know what? Not cool at all. For some reason, suddenly it doesn't work like that for God. He's not interested in doing that. And in fact, if you look at studies, churches that have, that, that have been started by somebody saying, very, there's been wealthy people. There's one in Wausau. Wealthy guy that started a church, built the church, Hired a pastor, hired a staff, built it because he didn't want any church. He hated hearing about offerings. He wanted no offering church. People come, nobody came. There are churches that have had wealthy people that have come in and they pay for everything and, they, and, and, and what happens is the church dies. For some reason, God wants you to feel uncomfortable. For some reason, God wants me to feel uncomfortable. He wants us to talk about this. For some reason, he wants, and you look at the scripture, he always touches the rich and the widow. 
And the widow brings little bits of mites, you know, whatever those mites are, it's a mite little, whatever the mite is. She brings her mites in a little piece of just pennies, puts in the offering, Jesus watching. Isn't that interesting? Jesus watched what we gave. He watched the little widow and he watched the people rich putting in tons of money and he said the widow gave more. For some reason, he wants everybody in. And in our community, in this network, every October, we're saying, hey, everybody weigh in. Everybody jump in. We make some recommendations on the card. We'd love it if people would jump in, maybe $100, $300, $500. You may not be able to do that. You may be able to do much more. If everybody did $100 in the network, we'd hit our, we would exceed our goal. But not everybody can and not everybody will. But what we're asking you is do something. Jump in with us. We want, we want total involvement is what we want. Right now, can you throw that uh, thing? Let me show you where we're at. We have uh, uh, in the commitments in terms of how many people are involved. In East Green Bay, we have right now 12.5%. 12.5% of everyone in this community on the east side, this building, uh, are involved doing something from the cards we received last week. In West Green Bay, it's 16%. In Appleton, it's 22%. And in Stevens Point, we're 25%. Now, Tulsa's not on the grid because Tulsa's not... We're, we're, it's going to take us a few months to move Tulsa into the network. But the point is, is that uh, these other campuses are smaller, but they're still running at... Uh, let's beat them here. Let, let's jump in. Let's take the lead and jump in. Just jump in with something. And, and here's the two ways you can do it. One is, look at what you got. Is there anything you can do? And, and, you know, sometimes it's okay to pinch yourself. Sometimes it's okay to sacrifice a little bit to help beyond what you tithe and give in offerings to say, you know what, this is my community. We're doing life together. We're seeding into the future. I love this place. I want it to go forward. And just pinch something. Put it in there. Make yourself cry. <laughs> Actually, that... Well, I'll tell you. Uh, in India, when... It's just horrible. When I was there in the 80s, for in 82 in India, uh, when you when the beggars would come up, they would it's just so horrible. They would pinch their babies to cry, so that they would give people would give money to them. So they pinch their babies. So that's where that pinch came from. It's a bad story. So pinch your wife. <laughs> pinch your husband rather rather rather. Okay, so so you may want to give something sacrificially, which would be wonderful. Or here's the last one: is when I was praying about this a few weeks ago is um, I got the notion of, of, I thought of the story of Jesus when he needed tax money and he didn't have any money with him because Judas who carried the money wasn't with him. It was just Peter and Jesus. Tax guy comes at the door uh, and Peter, Jesus says, hey Peter, go fish, which is what Peter did as a job, and, and uh, get a fish and open its mouth and you will find money in there. Found money. Kind of supernatural, found money. Surprising money. And so I began to pray into it a few weeks ago. And I told Gail, I said, Gail, let's trust for some found money. Well, in the last couple of weeks, we've had like a little over $200. They came in totally surprising, a rebate from this, or somebody sent us some money that owed us some money that we've completely forgot about. And, you know, that kind of thing. So why don't you trust God? Wouldn't it be cool? What if God, what if the Bible's true? What if the Bible's true? What if God wants to work with us as a community? And if what that would do is that would give us some, some holy ghost stories. And what better time of year than October for some ghost stories? Right? Where you have a holy ghost story. Where some, if you pray into this, jump in with us somehow, commit somehow, and I'm telling you, I think God will smile, bring us together more, give us a sense of the future, and it'll be sweet even if it feels a little awkward talking about it.
Amen? Okay, just bow your head just a minute. I'm going to pray for us. You've got those cards in front of you. Just listen in your heart. God may actually speak something in your heart. Give you a sense for something in your heart. He may not, but he might. Or, get, or at least, at the very least, give you a sense of liberty in your soul for what you're comfortable. And, and some of you may be comfortable not doing anything, and that's okay. Father, I pray for everyone here. I pray for everyone in the network. As we prepare for our November 7th offering and, and, and we prepare our hearts for what you want to do as a community and as a network for us, we ask you to help us see that sometimes it's this everyday kind of bits and pieces that your kingdom is advanced and that we matter. That we matter. That when you hear the cry of our hearts for your leadership, oftentimes it means we are part of the provision. We're part of the answer to that prayer. We pray for clarity. pray for grace. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Fill that out. God bless you. Pastor Latham. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come as we just prepare for communion this morning and our worship team as they return to the stage at each one of our campuses as well. Pastor Ed, was, we, we, we are going to be preparing for our time of communion as we share the Lord's Supper together. In a few minutes we will be passing out the bread and the cup and that bread that represents the body of Christ and the, the grape juice or the wine that represents the blood of Jesus. And that, like Pastor Ed said, I too am excited about the fact that here at Celebration Church, part of what we do is that every week we take time to remember. Remember what Jesus did. Take time to examine ourselves. Stop and say, God, as I'm preparing to take the bread, the cup, and all that that means, what Jesus did on the cross when he died, when he paid the price for me. As I'm preparing to do that, I want to open up my life to allow you, Holy Spirit, to touch areas in my life. If there's something I need to repent, if there's something I need to ask forgiveness, if there's somebody I need to forgive, someone I need to ask forgiveness, Lord, if whatever it is, I want to take this time to examine my life. Examine my life. Very important part of, of who we are at Celebration Church. That's why we take time every single Sunday to do it to take communion together. It's an exciting part of what we're, what we're about. But also, it gives us an opportunity that before we take communion, before we have, have the, the Lord's Supper together, it gives us an opportunity to also challenge those that are here this morning. That if you do not know the, the Lord is your, your Lord and your Savior, you know Jesus have not accepted him into your life as your, as your personal, as your Lord and Savior, that you have an opportunity to do that this morning. So in a few moments, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer, and I'm going to invite all of you to repeat this prayer after me. And this morning, right here at this campus and in each one of the campuses, a miracle will take place. A miracle will happen. Not just in Celebration Church, but all across the city where people are gathering together and hearing God's word being preached and the Holy Spirit taking God's word and penetrating the heart and lives of people, miracles are taking place. And not just over throughout the city, but throughout the world. Lives are being changed because of the word of God and the Holy Spirit taking that word and making it real as their hearts are open to it. I was reading a verse of scripture and 
out of Titus chapter 3, verse 5, out of the New Living Translation, it says this. He saved us, talking about Jesus, not because of the righteous things that we have done, not by virtue of what we have tried to accomplish, what we've tried to do, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. And for someone here this morning, the very thing that's being described in this verse of Scripture is about to take place. The starting process of new life. New life, forgiveness of sins. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me this morning and you just repeat this prayer after me. And if you're praying this prayer this morning from, from your heart, this new birth, this new life through the Holy Spirit can begin in your heart today. So if you just repeat these words with me, you say this with me, Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin and by faith ask you to come into my life as my Savior and my Lord. 